prophet. Amen. And you can be seated. Grab your Bibles. Of course, we've been studying the minor prophets, and we're on the third of the 12 minor prophets. And so we are going to take a look tonight at, at the prophet Amos. Could you say Amos? He is the shepherd prophet. So you can see from this, uh, the, me choosing to go with this designation, there's several ways you could talk about Amos. Like, for example, myself, I could say several things about myself. And uh, I could say I'm from Arkansas, or I could say that I'm pastoring in Georgia. In fact, I would just, uh, it's getting through from uh, November all the way through December, and now in January, and excited, and then I'm realizing, whoa, we, uh, we try not to accept invitations unless we just really, really, really feel it. And then I realize that I have a series of meetings early in the year, the way it works out. Usually if it's a camp meeting, I'll say, yes, I'll do the camp meeting because it's so many thousands of people. Or if it's a foreign service where I really feel that I could be make a difference, and I'll say yes and if I feel the Lord directing me. So last year we received a call and asked us to do the general conference in Guam. And I told my wife, I said, oh, it's Guam. It's just close. And so... So anyway, I could also say about myself, duh, but um, <clears throat> Guam is not close. I was flying to the Philippines, and there it was. And that was the nightmare trip of my life. In other words, it just took so many hours. Now, years ago, I preached in, uh, where was it? I stayed overnight in, in Egypt, Ethiopia. I was preaching in Ethiopia, <clears throat> and I stayed overnight in Egypt. And that was such a... Uh, interesting long time so um so i think sis french is gonna hopefully be able to go with me we're going in june so that means that i'm going to be preaching the mentorship conference here for the georgia area and then the very next month i'm preaching the alabama uh, doctrinal conference in uh what's that town uh not tr troy but Montgomery, is there a Montgomery? Montgomery, Alabama. And then the very next month, I'm preaching in Guam. No, skip May. And then in July, I'm preaching the Massachusetts, Boston, Rhode Island camp meeting. Now, I've, I've agreed to do that, and then after that, I'm going to hope for the rapture. But um, I, I don't like to be uh, go, coming and going that much because... I used to didn't mind it, but now I'd just rather be here and preach here. But, but I, how many knows you should pray for your pastor? And you should lift him up in prayer, ask God to help him. And what, when I'm uh, doing the will of God, I'm doing the will of God on your behest. You're, I'm your pastor. You're, you're praying for, for me, and I'm praying for you, and we're, we're in this together. So I could talk about myself in several ways. Uh, I, I don't think I could ever say that I was a shepherd. I could never say I'm a farmer. Although Amos was a shepherd and a farmer. When you talk about someone like that, then you're talking about them in, you're, you're saying that they were very much uh, a man of the earth, a man, a, sort of a common, you see what I'm saying? I'm, when I say common, I mean, uh, maybe I don't mean common. But 
a very down-to-earth. Is that, does that make sense to us? All right, so what we're really saying is that Amos was never, he makes it very clear in chapter 7 that he didn't consider himself, he, was, he, he uses the expression, I, was not the, I am not the son of a prophet. But he was just a, uh, a shepherd. And he also worked with fruit trees, he says. This is by his own account. So we know a man now that thousands of years ago that was a shepherd and worked with fruit trees, and yet God called him. Do you believe God can call anybody to do his work? God can use you if you will surrender yourself to him. God could use you in marvelous ways. And how many knows the Lord is coming, and it is time for us to be about the Father's business. Amen. And so it is Amos. Now, uh, of course, Amos, everybody say Amos. That's a Hebrew word that has the idea. Now, Hebrew words are interesting because they can be, uh, they can, they're very fluid. They can, I don't mean to say the nouns and verbs are the same thing. I just mean that it just takes a little letter to change it from one uh, meaning to another. But the word Amos carries with it the idea of the burden. And some people teach Amos as though there are uh, eight, the eight burdens of Amos. I've decided not to do it. I'm basically going to just hit the highlights. But <clears throat> Amos doesn't... Um, uh, is uh, sees himself as having been just a, uh, I can't think of the right word. I don't want to say local. <laughs> I won't say that. Um, is yokel, is that, is this French, is that, a, that's negative, yokel? Yokel, local yokel? That just sounds, I don't know, that doesn't sound right. Um, <laughs> country? No, 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 no. I don't, I don't mean he was. Well, I guess in a way, yes. I guess I do kind of mean he was. He was uh, country. All right. I think that's probably very true. So he wasn't necessarily a city man. That's true. He was country. He was a shepherd. And his name means in Hebrew burden. And many people see the, the book of Amos, the nine chapters of Amos, as a prophecy of the burden that he had to, uh, to present to the people of Israel. And, and that is true. I'm not denying it. I'm simply not going to emphasize that. I may never mention it again. So Amos, it means a either burden or burden bearer. And, and it emphasizes the fact that he was one of the most unpopular of the prophets. Now, uh, Really, none of the prophets were just really loved to death. But, um, but Amos is known. In other words, his very name means everything you're saying is a burden to us. Now, sometimes, now, folks, for example, the coming of the Lord and the judgment of God, we have, we're in a culture now that wants, you know, their ice cream coming right out of the thing, right into this uh, beautiful cone. It's got to be waffle. It can't be, uh, you know, it's got to just be perfect and it's got to be just right. We're in that kind of a culture and it's difficult for us to believe. And this is really the message of Amos. You're nice and comfy, but it's going to end. It is not going to stay like it is. And of course, that made them very uncomfortable. And I'm going to do this. And I've, I've, it's, uh, there are many, many different uh, major themes of Amos. But I'm going to stick with this one tonight that for our study tonight God's plea to his people. Can you say that with me? God's plea to his people. Would you grab your Bibles? We're going to look at a couple of scriptures here. Now let's go to the next slide. 
Now, I know you've seen this. Don't faint. We're just going to revisit it. Now, so we've been looking here at, uh, here we go. We've been looking here at uh, this triangle here. So it's Hosea. Did that move or am I just, okay, did that move? Okay, did, but I didn't make it move, okay. I was going to say that definitely, uh, if that didn't move, then I moved. All right, here we go. So uh, Hosea, Joel, Amos, can you say that? Hosea, Joel, Amos. So this is the first group. Now, the green one here, that's, that's supposed to be blue. I, I did this. It's really ingenious. That's why it looks so pathetic. All right. So the idea is that the first three, if you're memorizing Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, that's in the green. Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, you have to go backwards. That's the third group. And then Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi, they're also here. All right. And I'm saying them in the order that they are in the Bible as compared to their historical order. Now, here's Amos. You can see that he's sandwiched between Hosea and looking at Israel up here and Judah down here. It was one nation. They split and had two kings and there was all kinds of trouble. And by, in 722, the Assyrians uh, somewhere, I don't guess it says it. The Assyrians came along and conquered, wiped out the northern uh, tribes. There were only two tribes that came down. Judah and Benjamin were here in the south. They kept Jerusalem to themselves while the northern kingdom basically became an, an idolatrous uh, nation. And so, uh, but God kept sending prophets. How many knows that God's merciful? And, he's, and he, he, his mercy is never ending. He's constantly sending uh, his prophets into the, into the northern kingdom. And so you have the, the most famous, I, I think Elijah's the most famous prophet of all of all and he never wrote a book but his his there's nobody now elisha got the double portion but but you rarely hear about the exploits of elisha in the same way that you do elijah just unbelievable all right so you have elijah and elisha and then sandwiched in between hosea that hundred year period right here now how many can see everybody say praise the lord how many can see I don't know if you can even see this. It's kind of hard to see. How many can see that this group of prophets here are basically the same period of time? Can you see that? All right. Even though in order, they look like they, they've come later because you have Hosea, Joel, Amos, then Obadiah, Jonah, Micah. Actually, Obadiah and Joel are, uh, were, were neighbors. They went to McDonald's together. Okay. Now, sandwiched between Joel and Hosea is the prophet Amos. And he was, of all the prophets, the least popular and the least, uh, I was going to say educated, but he was the least of the prophets in terms of the way people would measure them. And uh, many, many times, remember when, anybody know who the greatest of all the prophets was? John the Baptist. And he came in camel's hair. And he was the forerunner of Christ. And yet we've got people today that wouldn't even come to church unless they got pillows and satin and, and, uh, and it's gorgeous. They look for the most big, the biggest, most gorgeous and, and the most opulent. But guess what? It doesn't take any of that to have the truth. When you have the truth, it doesn't matter, praise God. Let me tell you, the gospel needs to go to everybody, rich and poor, every color, every people, every race, every tongue. God wants everybody to be saved. And so he calls uh, an Amos. 
All right, now, so let's go to the next one, and we're going to look at the three categories of the book of Amos. So basically, the, the, uh, Amos is a burden. He's a preacher of burdens. And so Israel is sinful, and the judgment, he says, is certain and uh, going to be complete destruction. Now, when we begin here, we see that the first two chapters are that Israel and its neighbors are guilty of, I'm not going to cover much of that, but so there's a certain judgment coming to Israel and all of its neighbors. And I'm going to skip right through those first two chapters. And then the third and through the sixth chapter is he cries out against the sins of Israel and the sins of all those nations and gives the reasons that God is going to judge them. And then finally, in the last three chapters, these are symbols of Israel's judgment. Five visions, and I'm, I'm not going to go through all five, but we're going to look at uh, the visions that Amos had of Israel's uh, judgment and then final restoration. Now, let's go to the next slide. Everybody say, praise the Lord. Now, here are a couple other themes I want. I don't want to do it uh, without uh, paying attention to this. Uh, every time you teach through a book like, uh, let's say, Hosea or something, there are multiple themes that come up. And if you were like spending lots of time in it, you could pull them out, but we're not. And we, in order to do 12 books, if we're going to do it at all, it's going to take some shrinking things down. So the very first one is right here. And this is the theme that it's bad news in good times, which is exactly what I said a moment ago. They were, they were doing quite well. I see this as very, very uh, modern that uh, I, I think of it as the eat, drink, and be merry mentality that we're just doing hunky-dunky and we've we got a thing to worry about, the economy, you know, and so forth. And does anybody remember the little statement? I've mentioned this several times. It just keeps being on my mind. But in such, Jesus said, in such a time as you think not, does anybody remember that little scripture? See, that, that's a very perplexing, I, I've talked to the Lord about this for many years, and I've, I've told him, Lord, I've tried, I've wrestled with this, I cannot come to a satisfactory uh, understanding, although in my mind I've come to what I think of as my uh, understanding, but it's not satisfactory, I'm still in uh, uncertain and incomplete in the way I look at it, that, that in such a time as you think not... Now, someone might say, well, that's all. That means you're going to be surprised. Well, um, <laughs> okay, so yes. So there are many possibilities of what exactly that means. But, but, it's, but it could very well be that he means by this, it is going to be a time where people would least expect it because they're doing just fine. See, a lot of people think, listen, some people think if they're rich, that that's the blessing of God. I know Pentecostals that think it. They think that money determines how blessed someone is. Well, hey, if money determines how blessed you are, Pentecostals are not blessed. Because, see, many people in, in this culture think that people that, that own businesses, they're the low life. People that only make this amount, they're just nobodies. You've got to be up in this bracket before you. Hey, man, let me tell you something. God loves everybody. Hallelujah. 
And the problem with wealth is it causes us to think that we're just fine. Okay, so the eat, drink, and be merry, everything's okay. That that will be, certainly we know that will be the attitude of the end times. And Amos tells us this, and that is one of his major themes. That See, and how many remember the term prophetic proleptic? Okay, now this is, I know you don't want to hear it. I know, no, no, don't throw those eggs. Don't throw those tomatoes. I know you don't want to hear it. But every one of the minor prophets have what we call prophetic proleptic. That is, they can see certain things and they, they don't ever actually. Now, you listen to me. They don't. I, I'm pointing over there like that's a mountain. That's just the corner of the church. But in my mind, that's a mountain. And, and what, the, what the prophets would do is they could see the mountain peaks of prophecy. For example, they might see that Jesus is coming way down there. He's coming with thousands of his saints. But what they didn't see was the church. They could not see the church. Now, some people dispute this because they think that, for example, they think Daniel might have actually seen the church. And in, in Amos chapter 9, some people think that Amos saw the church. And he actually did. He got a glimpse of the church. He said, the heathen are going to come in. But it was just a glimpse, you see. He didn't actually see it. He just got a glimpse of it. And that's the only mention he makes of it. And I doubt. Now, listen, some of you can't. I'm going to say it anyway if you're, you know, you're cooking or baking, whatever you're doing. But, but I'm teaching and I'm telling you right now that we're in, a, we're in a time when God is able to help people to see that here, here is Amos looking at what God is about to do. And all he can see are the mountain peaks. Does that make sense to anybody? He can't see the valleys in between. Does that make sense? It's like, that's why it's called proleptic. If you, if you look at it, all you see are the peaks. I sometimes call that glimpses. They see a glimpse, but they don't, they never, they might, Isaiah saw uh, bits and pieces, but they never understood. For example, when they received the revelation about the Messiah, they never understood that a church was going to be called, even though they were told over and over. For example, Amos is quoted in the book of Acts, chapter 15, that the Gentiles were going to receive the Holy Ghost, although Amos never said that. Amos said the temple's going to be rebuilt and the heathen are going to be drawn. He never understood that there was going to be a mighty church. And they were going to be filled with, he, he never saw that. Now Joel saw the Spirit's going to be poured out on all flesh. But he never understood that there was going to be a church. He never saw that. It was never revealed to them. How many are glad you're in the church tonight? Praise God. All right, and the other one, of course, uh, you can see here is, uh, I'm going to come to injustice. And then the one above that is come back to me. Sin, judgment, and restoration. Now let's go to the next slide. And we're going to go into this question of injustice. Now, you can see here that the scales of, of justice are money is over here. And this is the, the uh, gavel of, of justice. And so a major theme in Amos is, and I want, to, I want to just kind of refer to it because I can't come back to it. I don't have the time. So, um, for example, he speaks a great deal of the oppression of the poor. And this coming weekend is the celebration of, uh, of the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And, uh, and of course, 
Amos, how many knows that Amos is the most famous scripture that Dr. King ever quoted? And I'm going to quote it to you in just a moment. And uh, they don't always quote it from the King James, but Dr. King did. But when you see it today, they usually get it from some other translation. But, uh, but what Amos was talking about was oppression of the poor. Well, this would apply to race uh, inequality. This would apply to any kind of inequality. And the world is filled with injustice. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? There's all kinds of injustice in the world. It's the world that we live in. Because uh, uh, people take advantage of other people. There's, uh, I'll tell you, one of the greatest injustices in the world are people that are robbing and stealing from other people. That's the kind of world that we live in, where people can't leave their doors unlocked. They're afraid to even... Uh, go to certain places because they could be... In fact, right now, we've got a, a watch order in this area for uh, a, a very, very serious offense that's being, uh, going on. So it causes people to be frightened because of what's happening. So what, what's going on is you have people who care nothing for the lives of other people. That's, that's injustice. Nobody should be taking and grabbing somebody else's baby and running off with it. Nobody should be stealing from others and saying, you don't amount to anything. What you've got is mine. Let me tell you, my friend, the Lord is going to settle the score someday. Yes, he is. And so it was. And this is, of course, was the message of Dr. King, that you can't oppress the poor. Now, some of you think you can. And there's a whole list. I'm only going to look at these that I've, I've noted here. They, they detested honest people. And yes, we have come back to it. And... And Amos said that, the, of course, the, this pro prophetic proleptic is that Amos didn't fully understand that there was both a fulfillment of his prophecy that would happen right at his day. And there was a fulfillment of the prophecy that would happen thousands of years later. And we are now approaching the fulfillment of that final day. And that means Jesus is coming. Can you say praise the Lord? And uh, so whatever you're facing, hold on, because Jesus is coming. Whatever's happening, hold on. Jesus is coming. Praise God. Let's lift our hands and say, Lord, I want to be ready. I want to be ready. Hallelujah. Lord, that's my desire. Praise God. Praise God. And, of course, you have religious people that are not honest. My father-in-law, if he, I, I, I doubt he ever lied in his life, but if he thought he couldn't sell a car without saying he'd have the best car. He, he would take care of it. He wrote down every single time he ever got gas. I mean, he had a book every time. You could do a history of his life just from him getting gas. And when people would come to look at it, he'd say, well, I'm getting a brand new car. I'm going to sell this one. Well, how long have you had it? Well, I've had it so many years. Uh, but, but I have to be honest and tell you that one time I didn't shut the door all the way. And I mean, it was just like, Dad, you don't have to tell them that. They, 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 they don't, I mean, okay, yes, you had to put a new uh, whatever that was you put in there, that gigillator or whatever it was. I know there's no gigillator. I'm just kidding. And uh, he would say, well, I got to tell him that I'm going to write, wrote it all down. And the guy came and I told him, I said, well, now I replace this and I replace that and I replace it. And the guy was like, whoa, I'm getting a brand new car. That's how honest he was. 
But guess where he got that? He got that from the teachings of Christianity. From the time he was a boy, he, he was told, you're to be honest. You're to be forthright. You're not to be deceptive. But guess what? We've moved into a whole new culture. We are now living in the age of lying. We're in it. We're living it right now. From the government right down, America has become a, a despicable, a deceptive nation that needs to return to God and repent of its sins. Now, someone said, well, I was tempted to lie. Little children would say, oh, I was tempted to lie. I wanted to, I, uh, you know, I did, did you eat the cookie? No, and it's all over their mouth. Of course they ate the cookie. Why are you even asking them? Did you eat that cookie? Uh, well, yeah, it's all over me. They could say that, but that'd be disrespectful. You see what I'm saying? So, so then we say, now, always tell the truth. Who was it? Was it Washington that could not tell a lie? That's an interesting story, by the way. But uh, and so uh, anyway, I don't know. I don't know the story. So uh, so here we are now in a culture where they cannot tell the truth. Something about the cherry tree. Isn't that true? He would cut down the cherry tree and he couldn't tell. I don't know. I, I got to catch up on that part of history. But anyway, so here we are in a culture where honesty now is detested. And people who are holiness. You know, we live in a culture. Let me tell you, you want to you wanna stand up for Jesus, just live holy in a world that we're living in. Because people are doing all kinds of things. And if you do something despicable, you'll be praised for it. But holiness is sort of ho-hum. I want to tell you something. I want to live holy. I want to do what God wants me to do. And I want to please God with all my heart and all my life. All right? And then uh, they're complacent. And then cheating, uh, Amos 8, 5, which I'm skipping, cheating when selling through, uh, through skimping measures. See, in other words, they, they, they would cheat and actually put weights in the measures. And the Lord says, uh, he, he, he talks about that in verse 5. Okay, let's go to the next one and let's keep going. Now, here we are to, uh, Amos 5.23. So it's basically we're getting this out of the way because we, we can't come back to it. So the King James says, Take thou away from me the noise of thy songs, for I will not hear the melody of thy vials. Vials is something like a, like a harp. And so he says, Take away the noise of your songs. I don't want to hear you singing. Someone asked me, Do you think the Lord hears all that singing and that worldly? Uh, it's Christian. That Someone told me that was gospel. Uh, I, was, I didn't know it was gospel. I was hearing it, and I said, that's a horrible mess. What is that? And they said, oh, that's gospel. I said, that's not, <laughs> that's not gospel. And they were like, that is gospel. I said, well, turn it off because I don't want to hear it. And that's the kind of world that we're in. Now, that's, I, I'm, I'm not trying to say that's what this is saying. This is saying that the Lord didn't want to hear you pretending to be something when you're not. And you get up there singing like you're somebody when you're not. You're unjust. You're full of injustice. And you shouldn't be on the platform. You should sit down and, or get in an altar and seek the Lord. And so I said, now let's go back a little bit. Woe unto you that desire the day of the Lord. To what end is it to you? The day of the Lord is darkness and not light. As if a man did flee from a lion and a bear met him. Or went into the house and leaned his hand on the wall and a serpent bit him. This is the way the day of the Lord of the judgment will come. Shall not the day of the Lord be darkness and not light, even very dark and no brightness in it? I hate, I despise your feast days. 
I will not smell in your solemn assemblies, though ye offer me burnt offerings and your meat offerings, I will not accept them. Neither will I regard the peace offerings. Can you say amen? And so it leads up to this. Take away the noise of your songs, for I will not hear the melody of thy vials. But let judgment run down as what? Uh, this word is often, and it's the Hebrew word for justice. So, and so this is why Dr. King used it. Let judgment run down as waters and righteousness as a mighty stream. We ought to pray that prayer right now. Let's ask God to let righteousness run down like a mighty stream. Lord, that's my prayer. I know the devil says it'll never happen. Hollywood's got it, taking it over. But I come in the name of Jesus and pray, Lord, that, that the judgment will run down as waters. Hallelujah. That justice will flow like a mighty river. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's clap our hands and thank God for the, for the goodness of God and his mercy in our lives. Let me say this. God's going to take care of every grievance and every injustice you've ever faced. He's going to, it's all going to, how many knows there's a final judgment day? Everything, it's all going to be accounted for in the end. And I'm so thankful for it. Because there's plenty of injustice. Now let's go, if you would, to the next one. Now, now we come to Amos chapter 1 and verse 2. So I'm actually, now I'm going to walk, walk us through the book of Amos. And we're only going to look at a few highlights. We're not going to be super duper long. In my mind, it's not long. You can tell me later. All right, so Amos 1 and 2 says, And he said, The Lord will roar from Zion. So what is being said here is that judgment is like a lion. The, of course, the, the lion being the Lord himself. The lion of Judah will roar its judgment and utter his voice from Jerusalem, and the habitations of the shepherds shall mourn, and the top of Carmel shall wither. So in other words, when God begins to pronounce his judgment, it's going to come in a very, very powerful way. It's going to be like the roar of a lion. Now, how many remember this last week when we were studying Joel? It's almost an exact same quote that God is when it comes. I'm telling you right now, when the let's say let's just do this. Let's say the rapture takes place tonight. What's the first thing happens? What happens to the church? They're gone. They're, they are translated in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye. Okay, tell me if this is the twinkling of an eye. Nope. Nope. Could you see me? Okay, I'm going to do it where you, you will not see me. Here we go. Here we go. The Lord's about to come. Hit the, do, 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 there's a trumpet. Could you see me? Could you see me? Several are saying yes, so they don't want me to do that again. All right, I understand. But what I'm trying to show you is that it is going to be just like the snap of a finger, the twinkle of an eye. You're not even going to be. It's going to be there, and then they disappear. That's what's going to happen, and the church is going to be gone. And then will be the roar of the Lion of Judah, and this world will have seen what they have never seen before. America, you will. Yes, you will. You will bow your knee to the Lord. Yes, you will. Every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. Everyone shall bow. Someone said, well, it's not fair for you to think your religion is the only. You know, everybody's the same. I said, how can they all be the same? If everything is the same, then what's left? 
So that means, and this is exactly what Sartre said. He said that if you want to help the little old lady across the street, oh, how are you? Don't me, oh, darling, give me, oh, that's so sweet. Okay, there you go. And she's got Fifi with her. Okay, there you go. Bye, see you later. Oh, thank you, young man. And then you go back. Or, he said, if you want to, and you see the little old lady, you go down there. He said, you go down, oh, how are you doing? And then you take your thing and you hit her over the head. And you take her bag and you walk off. He said that is the same moral act. Because you've done what you wanted to do. And all that matters is what you want to do. Someone says, why don't you like Satra? Because that's of the devil. That came from hell itself. Let me tell you, my friend. There is something in this world that is. Uh, this, this world is going to finally see. That all injustice is going to be taken care of. Now, I want to show you something, though. Okay, everybody say, praise the Lord. I'm going to hurry. I, I know you're worried I'm not. All right, here we go. And so, thus saith the Lord, chapter 2, verse 6. For three transgressions of Israel and for four. This is, a, by the way, a famous line in Amos. I will not turn away from the punishment thereof because they what? Sold the righteous for money. Okay, okay, now stay with me. So he's telling why he absolutely, now, so I'm going to suggest that what Amos is showing us is what really, I, I think I skipped that a moment ago. Let me see if I did. It doesn't matter. Okay, so <clears throat> what really angers the Lord? What is it that will cause God to say, I will not withdraw my judgment? And he's giving it to us here. And the first one is, when God's own people are unjust. When God's own people become so corrupted. How many remember Abraham and he said, what if I, can just, if I could just find 50 people, would you, save, would you save Sodom? Anybody remember that little story? That's exactly what's going on here. What is it that angers God? When God's own people are no different than the sinners and they're just as unjust as anyone else. God says, then that's it. I'm closing. I'm closing shop. Pulls it down. You need to investigate your heart. You need to say to yourself, am I the man God wants me to be? Am I treating people the way God wants me to treat them? Am I, do I care about people or am I selfish? You need to search yourself because injustice in the body is a gross sin. And I'm going to tell you something else. I'm going to tell you why I believe we're so close to the coming of the Lord. Because the American church. Now, I know I get criticized for this. And then I have to go into, well, the American church is where all missionaries, uh, England and America, and, and all the missionaries, and, and, and Christianity in America became the great Christianity of the world. And, and it, it, it went into the other countries, China and India and all these other places. So, in other words, America has been the foundation of faith in God. And now we have reached a point that America has become the vile importer of evil to all the nations of the world, through, mostly through Hollywood. But not just Hollywood. Through our singers, through our sports, our music, and so on. And now through our politics. So what we have is a nation that has moved so far from righteousness 
the question, though, is not, okay, so is America evil? Yes, America's got a lot of problems. They better start repenting. But the question is, what about the church? Is the church changing? Is the American Christian faith changing? See, and the, and the answer is, it is startling what is happening to the American church because it is, it is uh, moving away from what it has always believed. And so it is that he said, therefore, I will, uh, I will not turn away from the punishment. Now, verse 7 says they, I, I think that's correct. I think I've typed it right, but you come in the middle of the sentence. That pant after the dust of the earth. Can you sit, read that with me? That pant after the dust of the earth. You see, now this is an interesting Hebrew expression, so I'm trying to share it with you so you can see that what it actually means is to pant. Uh, I think what the uh, Hebrew means is to, if you pant after it, it means that you stir up the dust. Okay, that's what he's talking about. That's the idea of, that's why the King James has gone with, you pant after the dust. I'm going to need to point over here a little bit. So I can say I love this wall too. All right? That pan after the dust of the earth on the head of the poor. So what, what, what really is meant by this expression is that they, they stir the dust up by trampling upon the poor. They trample the poor under their feet. That's, I'm just trying to reword it. And they turn aside... From what? The way of the what? The meek. Now stay with me. Let me look around. I know I'm reading the Bible. I just want to be very careful here. And a man and his father will go in unto the same maid. We're talking about immorality. Does anyone see it? All right. They go into the same age to profane my holy name. He said, this is the reason. It's not because of any other nation. It's not because sin is so great all around. It's because you are my people. And you have walked away from morality. And to do so means judgment must fall. And I, got a, I have a sense in my spirit that America is very close. Because listen, when he takes the church out of this world then that's all there is left. Can we just lift our hands and pray for our nation, pray for our world right now, ask God to help us. Father, thank you for Amos reminding us, Lord, especially on a weekend of Dr. King's commemoration. I pray, Lord, that we will recognize the church has a viable and very important place, Lord, in all that's going on. Lord, help us to do it in Jesus' name. Never said amen. All right, now let's go to chapter 3. Let's go to the next one. Uh, here, and we're only going to look at two verses here in this slide. And Amos 3 and verse 3, can we read it together? Can two walk together except they be agreed? So you could have actually used the word unless. In other words, unless two people are agreed, then they can't walk together. Now, how many take that as a general principle that that's true? That if you're going to walk together, you have to be agreed. There has to be unity if you're going to walk together. Now, this isn't talking about uh, everything you do in life. 
that you could never, you got to be in total agreement with someone or you can't love them. It's not talking about that. It's only talking about the principle of we are going to walk together, then we have to be agreed on the direction that we're going to go. What if one wants to go that way and so on? And, of course, what the Lord is saying is that we, you, Israel, and me are going in opposite directions. Hey, America, are you listening to me? God is going that way, and you're going that way. It's not going to work. You will have to turn back and be in agreement. How many of you've got to be in agreement with the Lord if you're going to make it to heaven? I was reading a book recently that talked about all the different... Just all the millions of different people are going to go to heaven that believe all kinds of things, especially atheists. They're going fast as lightning. Of course, that's not true. That's, that's mind-boggling. Why would they even want to go? I don't know an atheist in the world that really thinks there's a heaven. There can't be a heaven, my friend, if there's not a God. Where your soul, because you don't have a soul. If you're an atheist, you don't even have a soul. But this guy had them all in heaven. I wanted to write him and say, what about Hitler? Is he there? What, what about, uh, I mean, you got, you, it, he, it, it basically, that is, uh, that is uh, disingenuous. But the fact of the matter is, if you're going to make it, you've got to be in agreement with the Lord. Verse 6 says, and I'm reading now from, I'm retranslating it. When the ram's horn blows a warning, shouldn't the people be alarmed? That's what the Lord was saying through the prophet. When you hear the alarm, somebody ought to be saying, wait a minute. And folks, I'm sounding an alarm tonight. This old world, they know. Hey, folks, you'd be surprised the people that know. I was reading of all the politicians that in their uh, various uh, constituencies, they have all these Christians that write them letters and say, Jesus is coming. You need to get ready. They know it's about to. But what are they doing? Same old, same old. You see, that's what's happened. And so you have to be in agreement. So the Lord is saying, I'm going to judge Israel because they were not in agreement. Now let's go uh, two more verses to the next one. Surely the Lord God will do nothing, but he revealeth his secrets unto his servants, the prophets. The lion hath roared. Who will not fear? The Lord God hath spoken who can but prophesy? So what instead our culture is doing is they are trying to disprove the Bible and so on and so forth. They think that that will, that will appease their, their, uh, their minds. But what we need to do, and this is the job of the church, we need to have revival that opens the eyes of people that know nothing about the gospel. And they begin to see, wait a minute, I need the Lord in my life. You can love them when they begin to see that the church is different. The church has been changed <coughs> by the hand of God. It's going to make a difference. Now, let's go now into chapter 4. Everybody say, praise the Lord. Now, I only want to look at a couple of things here. Uh, actually, just one, one thing. And uh, I don't know if you can see it. I shouldn't have used this particular overlay. I could have typed it myself. But this, this little inset that I've made here, could we read that together? This, this is, uh, oops, this, where is that down here? Da, 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 da. All right, verse 12. Because prepare to meet thy God. All right, so this is uh, another very famous 
expression. Let's read. Could we read it together? Prepare to meet thy God. So I have overthrown some of you as God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah, and you were as a firebrand plucked out of the burning. Yet have ye not returned unto me? So in other words, I did, I did this. I allowed this judgment to fall upon you. But instead of you repenting, you, uh, you didn't. You didn't return to me, saith the Lord. Therefore, thus will I do unto thee, O Israel. And because I will do this unto thee, prepare to meet thy God. In other words, the final judgment... And now we're going to do a series, a couple of scriptures each and work our way to the end of Amos that are prophecies of what is going to happen when Jesus comes. He says, and uh, it's, it's, I'm going to keep doing this because it's hard to see. Uh, For lo, he that formeth the mountains and createth the wind and declareth unto man what is his thought that maketh the morning darkness and treadeth upon the high places of the earth, the Lord, the God of hosts, is his name. Can we just clap our hands and thank God that he's our creator, our maker. Amen. And also we're going to add into this. And therefore seek good. It would say good. Seek good and not evil that ye may live. If you're going to escape judgment, you're going to have to change your life. And it's going to have to happen. Now let's go to the next one. And we're, I think we're going into chapter 6 here. All right, so here we have the famous line in Amos that woe to them that are what? At ease in Zion. So what we are actually doing is coming right back around that the real problem is not what the world is doing. Now the world's going to be judged. But the question is, when will the final judgment come? When his people have reached a point that, they, that God says, I've got to come back. And so he returns because all of the things that are going on in the earth are also affecting the church. And so he returns. And one of those things is that they are at ease in Zion. And I'm tr- look at this translation, note two verses over. You push away every thought of coming disaster. So you drink, you get to the bar, you, you drink it up, you get with your buddies. Everything's about uh, eat, drink, and be merry, have a good time. But your actions... Bring the day of judgment closer. Judgment is coming because Amos said in chapter 7, Behold, and we're right here now, Behold, I will set a plumb line in the midst of my people Israel. Does everybody, uh, I'm not pretending to be an expert here on building, but the plumb line lets you know that the wall was straight. Does everybody see that? That is an actual plumb line from more of an ancient plumb line. So that the string hangs down. You can see that the wall is is built in the right way. And so so he says, I'm no longer going to... uh, In other words, it's another way of saying his patience is going to run out. I'm getting ready to run a plumb line and to see where you are. And when I see that you've moved over there away from the plumb line, then I'm going to send the judgment. So the day is coming when judgment will take care of all sins and God will refuse to hold back judgment upon their sins. Now, let's go to the next one. We're in chapter 8. Everybody say praise the Lord. Now, let's look at three things from chapter 8 that uh, tell us that this judgment that Amos is talking about is unprecedented. Everybody say unprecedented. 
There's nothing like it. Therefore, we know that it's not the, the judgment that came upon Israel when the Assyrians came down. That's part of the proleptic. We saw the first mountain. That's when Assyria came and, and destroyed Israel, the northern tribes. But there's something else out there, and that's the unprecedented judgment that is coming here. The earth will what? Now, I'm, I'm reading from, uh, from uh, I'm retranslating here. See right here? I'm reading right here. Can you help me read that? The earth will what? Tremble. Now, that's very, very interesting because it's going to require, uh, and I know the scientists, I've, I realize that some would say, well, if this began to happen, there couldn't be anybody live on the earth and so on. I understand that. Um, of course, that, if the earth, the entire earth were to tremble, didn't we just have an earthquake here in Georgia? It seemed like we did. Why didn't someone tell me about this? I'm just kidding. Um, I had no idea. Sister French, did you have any idea that it had, they had earthquakes in Georgia? Do you have any idea why we have earthquakes in Georgia? Now, I, I'm going to guess that it, this, I'm going to blame this on Tennessee. Can I do this? Can we stop the tape? Um, I think this fault is up in, am I, someone's thinking I'm right here. How could I be wrong? I know so much about earthquakes. Um, up, up in Tennessee, I think there may be a fault somewhere up in there. Maybe the Carolina is like up in there. But the fault is not in Georgia. Does, is, is that? Just think about it. I'm just saying. I don't think the fault is here. The fault means the place where the, the earth is actually jumping up on the other. And uh, I, I think it was just a few days ago. It doesn't been very long ago that I was reading about Georgia having an earthquake. Like it, it, you could feel it in northern Georgia. And I was like, I was saying, I was actually in my prayer time. And I was like, Lord, help me. Georgia's having earthquakes. So I had told myself I was going to do some research and see if this has been going on for hundreds of years or what. I've never heard of Georgia having earthquakes. Did we ever have an earthquake in Arkansas? Did you ever know of an earthquake in Arkansas? There was? You remember an earthquake in Arkansas? Wow. All right, well, Lord, there's got to be some place where they don't have them. And, and so the scientists tell us that if, it were, if the entire earth were shaking, no buildings could survive it. There just simply would be, culture would be annihilated if the entire earth was shaking. So it's not probable that it means that the entire planet is like given a little shakeup. That's not what's going on. But what is going to go on is that the world itself is going to experience. And Jesus, how many believe what Jesus said? He said there's going to be earthquakes in divers places, it's going to, which is another way of saying all over the place. It's going to be like increased earth, uh, earthquakes and the trembling of the earth. And everyone will what? Everyone will what? Can you not see it? Everyone will mourn. The ground will rise like the Nile River at flood time. Now, I know that's just a, an expression 
But if, if the earth were to actually move the entire world like the Nile at the flood time, that would mean uh, earthquakes where the plates of the earth all over the world are literally go into convulsions. So, Brother French, why are you saying this? Well, because it's the word of God and we're studying Amos. And I am telling you that when the rapture comes and the church is taken, behold, the days come. I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread nor of thirst for water, but a, of hearing the words of the Lord. And it shall come to pass in that day, said the Lord God, that I will cause the sun to go down at what? Noon, and I will darken the earth in the clear day. There's obviously going to be an altering of the earth in such a way that this, and this judgment is going to go on for several years. In fact, the Bible tells us that there will be seven years of tribulation that this will be taking place. Could we stand together? We're going to conclude with Amos chapter 9. I will raise up his ruins and build it as in the days of old. One more slide. So the tabernacle of David, which is the temple, is going to be rebuilt. And it's not rebuilt now, so it has to be done either between now and the rapture or after the rapture. And the Antichrist will set in the temple. And the Lord says after the Antichrist is taken care of, he's going to raise the ruins of the temple. And he's going to call his people back. I will bring again the captivity of my people of Israel and they shall build the waste cities and inhabit them and they shall plant vineyards and drink the wine thereof. They shall also make gardens and eat the fruit of them. And this is the last verse of Amos. Could we read it together? I will plant them upon their land and they shall no more be pulled up out of their land which I have given them, saith the Lord thy God. Amos saw Israel being restored and Jesus showed us that the church is going to rise like the noonday sun because we are the bride of Christ and it's all going to happen at the same time. Can we lift our hands and thank God for his word and ask him to help us? Father, I pray that many, many lives will receive a revelation and understanding of your word. I pray that truth will get a hold of us. I pray that righteousness will fill our hearts. Lord, don't let anything get in the way. Of our, of our righteousness and our love for God. Don't let anything cause us to come become cold. Lord, you said many, would, their love would wax cold in the last days. Don't let our love wax cold. Let us, Lord, and cause it to be like a fire that's, that's the fervor of which is rising into the very presence of God. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Can we just clap our hands and thank God that we're getting ready to see Jesus? I'm getting ready to leave this world. I'm getting ready for the gates of pearl. I'm keeping my garments white, watching both day and night. I'm getting ready to leave this world. Did I get the words right? Hallelujah. All right, turn to your neighbor, shake hands. God bless you. You're dismissed. Thank you for being here tonight. God bless. Pray for our quizzers. Saturday is the big quiz meet for Georgia. God bless you. You're dismissed.